I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. The massive Dixie Fire in Northern California has been burning for over a month. It started in the Sierra Nevada on July 13th, and it's become the second largest wildfire in California history. The Dixie Fire has burned well over 500,000 acres, and there are more than 6,000 firefighters battling its flames. Dixie is burning through Butte County, which is also where Paradise was, a town that was destroyed by the 2018 campfire, which was the nation's deadliest wildfire in a century. It killed 85 people and left 30,000 homeless. That tragedy was covered relentlessly by former Chronicle wildfire reporter Lizzie Johnson. She was on the ground in Butte County just hours after the campfire began, and over the next few years, she interviewed hundreds of Paradise community members, including firefighters, small business owners, and residents who just barely escaped the fire in time. Lizzie's in-depth interviews and dogged reporting have culminated in her debut book, Paradise, One Town Struggle to Survive an American Wildfire. It comes out on Tuesday, and it's a timely reminder of the devastating costs of climate change and the trauma that follows, especially as California and much of the West are already seeing another catastrophic wildfire season. Lizzie recently left the Chronicle to join the Washington Post, but she's back with us today on Fifth Emission to talk about her new book and to share what she's learned from reporting on wildfires. Lizzie Johnson, we really miss you on the West Coast. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited you're here. So it's just the right time to talk to you, Lizzie, because right now the Dixie Fire is currently burning and has already destroyed the entire town of Greenville. And your book that's coming out is an intimate portrait of what happens when a town gets wiped out by wildfire. And I wonder what goes through your mind when you read and hear the latest fire season headlines. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, right? Because we've seen so much loss and destruction over the past few years. But at this point, it's not even surprising anymore to hear of another mm-hmm. town getting wiped out. And I think there's something in realizing that it's not a surprise that's really horrifying. Um, understanding that, you know, for the past few years, every year has been the worst fire season on record um, with the right. biggest fires and the most destructive fires and another town wiped out. And I think seeing another town just decimated, realizing that this is our reality now, that climate change isn't something that's off in the horizon, that it's something that is our present and we need to start understanding what that means. And, you know, another breathless year of another town destroyed is just the way things are. And we need to really start thinking about what that means and how we're living. And and your book does such a beautiful job of understanding the lives of the residents in paradise. And we're learning now that some of those residents who survived the campfire They've relocated to other towns that are being threatened yet again by the most recent wildfires, including Dixie. What does that say about the challenges of people who survive wildfires, you know, even years later? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's this sense that, you know, with so many fires that I've covered in the past, that, you know, maybe a year after people will go back to normal or the town will be okay again or somehow it'll be all right. And I think it's just hard for people to keep paying attention to something that is so devastating. Um, But the truth of it is that that is a trauma that never really goes away for people. 
particularly mm-hmm. people that were already living on the fringes. You know, the reason why so many people end up in these tiny mountain towns in flammable land are because they can't afford to live anywhere else. And so if they get burned out of one place, oftentimes they'll move to another place that reminds them of their home or another place where they can afford to live. And the new place has the same risk. And so they have to deal with that compounding trauma of, okay, what do you do if you've had your home burned down in one fire and then have to evacuate during a second fire? I remember during the campfire of 2018 specifically, there was a couple who lost their home and they had lost their home the year before in the wine country wildfires, right? You think that's really unlucky and really it's not so much about luck and it's more probability. This is going to start happening to more and more people. And you talked to so many people for your book. Have you stayed in touch with any of them? Have they kind of followed up with you to let you know how they're doing? Yeah. You know, I... I spent a lot of time in paradise. I moved there part-time while I was writing the book, both for the book and to write about what the town of paradise was doing to recover for the San Francisco Chronicle. And, um, you know, again, it's sort of like what I was saying earlier, where that trauma compounds. It's not something where all of a sudden things get better. These people have dealt with chronic stress for a long time, and that starts to manifest itself in illness and anxiety and grief over, you know, seeing other towns burn down and understanding what those people are going through. I mean, it's akin to that feeling you get sitting in San Francisco where the sky turns orange, right? It's hard. It's not natural and it really sticks with you. Now imagine you're that much closer and you know how it feels to have lost a home. The people in paradise feel that way. It's very hard to heal when, you know, the thing that you're trying to heal from continues and continues to get worse. You talk about trauma, and it could be easy for some of us to turn away from this kind of unfathomable devastation. How did you stay engaged as a reporter, and are there lessons there for us as California residents who may still be adjusting to this new reality? Yeah, you know, the thing that really kept me going was understanding that looking away wasn't so much a privilege we have anymore that you can't just have that dissonance of, you know, maybe next year will be better, that we all have to get on the same page and acknowledge the crisis for what it is. And the only way to do that is to get people to pay attention. And so that's really what drove me with my work, finding new ways to get people to understand what was happening with these wildfires and the marks that they left and the way that the definition of community forever changed as these people tried to rebuild some semblance of their life right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it was hard. And yeah, I got tired sometimes. But, you know, that is our role as journalists to hold up a mirror and to help people see what is happening. And what an honor that is. You spoke to so many Paradise residents. And from your conversations with them, were there things that they hoped that we would understand? Yeah, you know, something that was brought up a lot is I think there is this almost othering of fire victims that happens where, you know, when you're living hundreds or thousands miles of miles away, it's very easy to be like, oh, that would never happen to me. You know, maybe it's partially their fault for living in the forest or, you know, they should have known better. Mm-hmm. And I think what fire victims so often talk about is, you know, it's very easy to sit back and be like, oh, they shouldn't rebuild. But as climate change worsens, we are all living in places that will be more impacted by these disasters. It's not something that will only happen to other people. And realizing that, you know, there's risk of living on a fault line in San Francisco or in a tsunami zone in Seattle or, 
you know, all of these other places too, that it's not just us and them, that this is something we are all going to increasingly be going through. Yeah. And, you know, it's becoming clearer, especially now, the devastating costs of climate change. And your book was so intentional about really putting at center the personal details of the people you spoke to. Why was it so important to have your book be so incredibly human? Because I think that's what matters the most at the end of the day, right? It can all start to feel very abstract in terms of, you know, a town of X number of people that burned down, a wildfire that's X acres, the X biggest wildfire in state history, right? Like, what does that mean? After a while, I think you become very numb to it. And the only way to really understand is to see someone's life, how they are impacted. Um, One of the people in the book was a woman who had just had a C-section about 12 hours before the fire. To put yourself Mm -hmm. in her shoes, what would it be like to find yourself in a complete stranger's car with your brand new baby boy and look at him and be like, you know, if the fire comes, just take the baby and run and leave me here. What is it like to actually have to make decisions like that? I think that is how you get people to care. And that is why I focus so much about the people of paradise and the surrounding areas. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. What have you learned from doing this kind of reporting and writing when it comes to thinking about solutions? You know, your book tells the stories and portraits of these people, but are there bigger lessons to be learned that we should be thinking about? Are there any solutions? Yeah, you know, I get this question a lot and I start to feel like Cassandra almost, but um, (laughs) at the end of the day, my job isn't so much to present solutions. My job is to help people understand the reality. And so, you know, we're living in an age where some people still don't believe in climate change. Um, Some people don't care about the wildfire crisis. Even having moved to the East Coast and seeing how people view what's happening in California and across the greater West. Um, Mm. When I was living out there, it was so big to everyone. And on the East Coast, it's just not quite as big. I think the closest thing I have to a solution, again, is just getting on the same page and understanding that these fires really matter and they aren't going away and they are going to continue to impact people's lives in really awful, awful ways. Right. And like, we can't look away. We have to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And there are so many angles to the wildfires that we can think about on top of climate change. You know, the way that cities develop and build, you know, PG&E corporate practices, Mm -hmm. mental health and trauma. Are there other themes that you think we should be paying more attention to? Yeah, I think the big thing is just having conversations about how all of those different pieces go together. I feel like um, so often in conversations, people will just talk about the drought where they'll just talk about PG&E and blame it on one of those things, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really a confluence of all of those factors coming together. It's the forest being so dry. It's continuing to build houses in places where we shouldn't build houses because we know those places have burned down again and again and again. It's understanding that fire season is getting longer, you know, 
Like that's how you start mm-hmm. finding solutions is realizing that it's not just one piece that's causing it. It's all of them together. And some of them we do have control over and others we don't. Right. So you recently moved out of the Bay Area and you're now in D.C. working at the Washington Post. Wildfires may not be your focus anymore, but I wonder how writing this book and reporting on this topic for, I think it was five years, how did it change the way you tell stories now? You know, it just, I think it taught me a lot how important people are, how important those individual stories are at making something that seems so big, more understandable, right? And I still try Mm -hmm. and approach that in my reporting, taking these big topics and narrowing them down in scope. So one of my last stories before I left the Chronicle was about a family dealing with an eviction. Um, So just taking that into other areas where there are really broad topics that people can't quite wrap their minds around and forcing them to walk in someone else's shoes for just a little while. Mm You talk about the othering of fire victims. How? What was your approach and how you spoke to them? And are there things there that we can think about as, as these fire seasons continue and we think about the populations affected? Yeah, I think it's just really giving fire victims space to tell their stories. One thing that always really stuck out to me as a reporter is, you know, you would drive into these towns where block after block after block, it was just leveled houses and towering chimneys. And maybe you could see a few hollowed out washing machines and ovens. And that was it, you know? And you would have to go and talk to those people about what they had lost and realizing that their story was the only thing they really had left and being very sensitive in that because you never want someone to feel like their story has been taken from them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the way you get over... Othering is, again, just holding those stories and writing them in such a way that people really care and pay attention, even if it's someone who's living a thousand miles away in a place that you've never been, having compassion and understanding for the decisions they made to get to that point and the hard, hard decisions they'll have to make afterwards. It seems like also on top of this book being a story about what happened in 2018 at Camp Fire. It's really about what it means to lose a sense of home. Did that sort of change your perceptions of what you think about sense of place and home and safety? Yeah, I think it's something that those of us living both in the Bay Area and California and across the wider West have really confronted in recent years, too. Um, living in California a state that is home, it's it's hard to feel unsafe there. I think, you know, in my final years living in the Bay Area, I heard more and more conversations from people about whether they were going to stay, what it would mean to live in a place where it got foggy every year and they were worried about their home burning down. I think mm-hmm. these fires have really touched everyone in the state. And that sense of home has been smashed in some ways. Like, I remember when October used to be nice, it was the warm time of year and you can go outside and, you know, then it hits the point and you're like, oh no, October is when the bad fires are going to come, better not plan anything. How many air filters do we have? Right. And one thing also that I think struck me about the your approach in telling these stories that you yourself, you went through firefighting training in order to <laughs> bolster your own expertise as a wildfire reporter. 
you know, what did you learn from that experience that maybe everyday civilians may not understand? Yeah. I mean, I did that partly to help myself stay safe while I was covering the fires. And also firefighting is such a institution. I wanted to understand what made it tick. And I think, you know, one of the biggest takeaways I came away from is that firefighters are just as scared as we are with these new fires. They're acting in ways that they've never seen before. Every year with fire tornadoes and, you know, speeds and um, entire towns being burned down. And I think that that's something we could all realize because there is that false sense of safety in thinking that the firefighters will come in and put the fire out and everything will be okay again. And again, it's like, no, that's not the way it works so much anymore. At a certain point, firefighters can't really put the fire out. It's just unstoppable. Well, Lizzie, your reporting and your storytelling also put you yourself at risk and you brought back these incredible stories that help make them incredibly human and accessible to us. And thank you so much for talking to me about it. Thank you. I miss you all. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Lizzie Johnson is a former wildfire reporter for The Chronicle. Now she's a staff writer with The Washington Post's local enterprise team. Her book from Crown Publishing, Paradise, One Town Struggle to Survive an American Wildfire, is out on Tuesday. You can pre-order it now from any bookseller. For ongoing wildfire coverage from The Chronicle, visit sfchronicle.com wildfires. You can also check out our up-to-date interactive fire tracker. That's at sfchronicle.com slash fire map. Thank you to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening.